You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Today, we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Ugis Balmox, and he is a founder of Recruiter Mill, which is a company that hires outstanding remote A players for you. After building his own seven-figure business, he realized the challenges, so he started helping others to hire A players for their business. Welcome to the show, Ugis. That's right. Yes. Ugis. Ugis. I'm, I'm happy to be on. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm sorry about the mispronunciation. I have it's a not the first time and it's not the last time. I have I a much. tendency to murder murder those names and I'm sorry about that. No worries. Where are you based out of? I'm based in uh, Budapest, Hungary, but originally I'm from uh, Latvia. So I stayed in Eastern Europe, but I did move to a slightly larger city. Perfect. Well, give us a give us a little bit of insight. Take 30 seconds here or a minute to tell us what exactly is Recruiter Mill? When did you start it? And talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think I'll go backwards even a little more. And you mentioned my seven-figure business. And it was an information business. Maybe many of your listeners can can relate uh, to what I was doing. And we were selling online courses about iPhone photography. And uh, to grow that business and, and to get it to the place we, we got it to, we needed to hire. And, and we needed to be really good at hiring. And But at first, we were completely awful. Like We made mistakes. We, I, I have some horror stories there. But over time, we learned, we started sharing with other business owners and they kind of recognized, hey, you guys are probably a little ahead of us in, in recruitment. And that kind of gave me the idea that, hey, you know, once I, once I sold my shares in the business, that I could actually help other people with this. And people started kind of lining up because everyone needs help with recruitment and there's so much to know and there's so many mistakes actually that you can make. Yeah. So when did you guys launch the iPhone photography training business, the yeah. course business? It was my high school friend that started it. And I think he started the website in 2011, 2012. And it was a slow burn at first, but in 2015, it started picking up quite a bit. And that's when I joined. And then in the next five years or so, we, we, yeah, we really scaled it. So when did you sell the business and start Recruiter Mill? Uh, so I sold my shares uh, back in the start of 2020, actually. So And Recruiter Mill came uh, soon after. Gotcha. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about the business itself. It's really outsourced recruiting, basically, right? I mean, companies outsource recruiting of their talent to you, and then you have a team that does all the outreach and filtering and all that. That's right. And uh, the kind of two distinctions that, that we draw is that one, we hire A players. And as a business owner myself, I know how important it is. And I kind of, I don't allow hires that are not A players, basically. That's, that's my brand promise, pretty much. And the other thing is that we work with online businesses. so. Type of business that I that I had previously, I understand it really well. 
And then it's whatever position the, the business uh, needs. It could be own SEO writers, link builders, SEO managers. It could be mid-level and senior even managers and can be anything really. I've hired data scientists and logistics coordinators for an e-commerce business. So yeah, these, uh, these positions sometimes get a little wonky, at least for me, but we still do it. Yeah. Very cool. Now, are most of your clients in the US or are they global? I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, they, I would say they're global, but they're mostly work in the English speaking market and they are often smaller teams. So usually they don't have their own HR department. So I work pretty much di- directly with the founders of the business and kind of also not, not only find employees for them, but kind of educate them in recruitment and what are the things they should be looking at. Got it. Okay, great. All right. So today we're here, you're going to share with us how to hire A players to help you grow your business fast, right? You made the distinction. And I think we should start with further distinction of what exactly is the difference between an A player and maybe a B or a C player, I guess, ultimately, as it relates to to maybe results, because that's ultimately the biggest difference, right? right? It's not the way they look. It's not you know, male, female, it's not, you know, necessarily just their experience. It's the results that you get. So tell us a little bit about that difference between an A player and maybe a B or C player. Exactly. Like an HR professional that I guess I'm slowly becoming, I would say that it's a top 1% candidate in of the, of the candidate pool with, within like the salary range that, that you've specified and, and in the area that you've specified. But for a business owner, uh, what's important to understand that the kind of the output of each percentile is not linear. It's, it's logarithmic. So people in the top 1%, they're going to do so much more for your business than people in the, even in the top 3%. Like, you know, the, the old saying that a, a good developer can do the work of 25 other developers and in many other positions, the same is true. So those are the kind of people that, that we're going for and, and delivering for our clients. Yeah. So high impact, right? It's not necessarily just a body. It's not just necessarily someone who's good. It's somebody who's going to have a huge impact on your business. That's right. Right. Depending upon That's what right. that role is, like you said, a programmer or whatever that whatever that role is, you know, they're going to be in the top one percent. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure we made that distinction. All right. So walk us through this framework. You had a little bit of a framework that you went through on how to find and hire a talent to help you grow your business. Facts. Start us there, and let's see how far we can get. Perfect. So the first thing you want to do is kind of understand who you're going for. And yeah, it's, it's not the sexiest step, but you have to do it. And it's so easy to skip. And uh, what you want to do here is create a job scorecard with listing all the attributes that, that you're looking for. And you can even uh, take those attributes and uh, look at previous people that you worked in the same position with and evaluate them on a scale from one to five. And it sounds like the most boring thing ever, but once I did it, I came up with so many more attributes that really what I'm looking for in my team members in general, and of course, for role-specific capabilities. And this sort of thing, you just have to do. There are so many things you can miss if, if you're not intentional about the, the things. And I'm that assuming that for. that list is not only things you want, but things you don't want. As well. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. You know, I can, you, there's just, there's certain things you definitely are not going to jive with you or your culture or your, you know, how you work or your team or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. So I think it's a do, do and a do not. Right. Absolutely. 100%. Right. So once you have that, then I think a more interesting step becomes, and, and especially interesting to people who like marketing, who, who like sales, stuff like that. Cause it's speaking to that person. So the perfect person you define, realizing what would, how to tra- 
basically dress up your offer so that they'd be interested. So for an A player, joining your company would be a good idea. And uh, the, the way you do this is by creating candidate-centric job ads. Uh, so yeah, if you look at the normal job ad, it's usually some HR template someone came up with, which is really generic. The requirements, what we expect from you, some generic benefits. None of that works for, for an A player. You really want to explain what it means for their career to, to join your company and how they will fit into with the rest of the company. So they really want to know these things and you have to have to let them know. So the how I explain it to other business owners is that you want to create direct response style job ads, which really drives the ultimate result, which in this case is an application to, to your job from a really qualified candidate. Yeah. So you really want to, you want to create a compelling job ad that actually speaks to the right audience, to the A players, because you could put a job ad that speaks to a, just a general audience or an overall audience, but that's going to cause a lot of issues on the back end trying to filter out the wrong people, right? So it's not necessarily about getting hundreds of candidates, about getting just a handful of the right candidates, right? And those are the A players that are so hard to find. Exactly. And, uh, and the way you come up with this is how you come up with any marketing copy. It's research, research, research. So my first thing I always Google is what's great about being even a customer support specialist or what sucks about being an SEO manager. And these things, you go on Reddit, you go on those other forums. And you see what are the thing that this kind of person that wants to work this kind of job, what do they really care about? And you talk about them 95% of the time as you would in any marketing communication. And of course, you want to introduce your company a little bit. But even then, you want to kind of link it to, to what they really care about and, and what they're looking at for in that position. So this sort of empathy with the person in their shoes who's looking for a job is, is crucial here. Yeah, I see a lot of job ads that are just not hitting the mark here. And it's more of a, hey, they're kind of beating their chest, talking about their company and talking about how great they are and talking about how fast they're growing and talking about all those things. And those things I think are important, but they're secondary because it's really the job ad and the messaging should really be what you just said, which it should be, it should be more about them, not about you. Absolutely. And I've had a client who had a lead generation agency and he was he was awesome at it. And uh I just pointed this out to him, like, you're only talking about yourself. You're not talking about the candidate and kind of slapped his forehead and said, oh my God, like, I would never do this for my client. I would like call them an idiot or something. But here, here they are not even realizing because they're just following a script that, that I've seen a hundred times and they're just doing what everyone else does. But if you want to stand out from people and, and get these A players, then you just can't afford to do that. Great. So you're going to create a compelling job ad that speaks to A players. What's the next step? All right. So then of course, only having the job ad is not good enough. You need to drive applications and once again, drive applications from qualified people. So there are two ways, uh, major ways that you want to do it. And I'll, I'll give some quick tips on both. So first is job boards and you still have to uh, post on job boards. It's not the source of best candidates, but uh, there are some nuggets you can find there. And uh, the best thing to do is, especially if, if they're a little obscure, the positions that, that you're looking for as, as they might be, you just Google, uh, for example, remote SEO jobs or remote customer support jobs and see which uh, job sites come up because the candidates are doing the same exact thing. If they're looking for a job on a job board, those are the places that they'll be Googling because there are like hundreds and thousands of job boards and you only need to be on two or three at most. So that's that's how you select the job board. And So what are the, um, before, a, we go, yeah. before we go forward, what are some of the job boards that are most popular or you where you've seen maybe not even the most popular, but you've seen the best results 
for remote candidates, right? I mean, I know, I'm not sure if they have a, a different niche job board for every role. I'm assuming that maybe some of them do, but there's also maybe places like Upwork and Indeed and ZipRecruiter and things like that. But what are the ones that you think uh, you've had the best results from for getting A players? 100%. I always say this and I'm in no way affiliated with them, but I think I should get an affiliate code or something. Uh, it's uh, we work remotely. And if you compare just the number of applications that, that you get from there, it doesn't compare to pretty much any other job board, uh, maybe some in some specific niches or something, but generally that's, that's where one, uh, you want to look for people. So and it's, it's, it's great work, for developers. We work remotely.com. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I never heard of and that. That's Oh yeah. They're great. Awesome. They're, they're cool. doing something right. Yeah. All right. So you're driving some traffic with job ads uh, or you're creating the job ad, you're driving some traffic with the job boards, but you also had a tip about LinkedIn. That's right. Because uh, what will happen after you post your job ad, it's, it's going to go one, or, uh, one of the two ways. One, you could receive a fair number of applications and you'll see how many of them are qualified. But if you receive in the first week, at least 60 applications, that's a good sign that the job board is likely to work in the long long term or and by long term, I mean within a month. If you don't receive that many applications, then you need to start reaching out to people. And here's uh, what you do is you go on LinkedIn and you try and find the people that are kind of the bullseye matches for, uh, for what, what you're looking for. And in my experience, if you reach out to 50 people with kind of just uh, with pretty much the offer, then uh, you're going to find two or three that's, that are likely to be fit. So that's kind of a way how to supercharge your uh, hiring, especially if you're only hiring for one position, which, which many of the list- listeners might be. So with LinkedIn, do you need like a LinkedIn subscription for recruiters or can you just use a free account or, you know, because they've got a variety of different types of accounts you can subscribe to, you know, like Sales Navigator, which is what I have because it's more sales oriented. Do you need to subscribe to LinkedIn to do that? Or can you just use a free account? So they're smart, of course, and, and they're going to give you more access if, if you pay them, which makes total sense. If you have one of these uh, like advanced uh, accounts, then by all means, try and, and see if, if you can achieve it. I'm re- using Recruiter, but Recruiter Lite is, is perfectly fine for me. And it's a little more than 100 bucks per uh, month. But if you compare it to a cost of a job ad, it's really nothing. So even for a month, it's, it's totally worth it. So I'm assuming on LinkedIn, you're basically going to do a search based on kind of that profile you put together. And then from there, you're going to, are you able to just message them or do you have to send them a connection request or typically how's that work with that recruiter type tool? Yeah. So once you find the candidates and what I usually go by is their current position, and then where they're based. And even for remote positions, I know there are hubs that I want to hit. So for example, link builders, for some reason, there's a bunch of them in Serbia but not so many in Romania. And I don't know why, but, but I know to look in Serbia. So, uh, and then I, I click on all the kind of profiles that, that seem to be fitting. And I also check their experience. So I don't want someone who has 11 months of experience. I want someone who has done it for a few years. We're not ch- uh, switching jobs too often. And then I send them a connection request and it pretty much goes, uh, hi, I'm, I'm hiring an experienced, let's say, link builder. I say one or two other things that are specific for that opportunity that are really might interest in them. And once again, I've researched them. So I know what's, what's speaking to them. And I say, can I send you more information? And if not, let's, let's connect that either way. And that's, that's pretty much the message. And it's 
definitely not rocket science. If you've done any outreach, it's, it's going to come pretty naturally to you. And then people start messaging you back and then you pretty much engage them in, in a conversation. But the response rates are really great for that sort of outreach. Love it. Perfect. Okay, great. So you talked about how to drive some traffic with job ads and LinkedIn. What's the next step? All right. So now you have a bunch of people who are interested in, in your job. So you, of course, want to select the best one. And uh, there are two kind of steps to that. So first one is providing a test assignment. And this, if you take one thing from this entire interview, let it be this, like you need to test people before you, t- you take them on and give them a practical assignment, something that's really close to, to what they'll be doing day to day on their actual job. Because if you don't see it, they're like... Resumes are just not great predictors of, of performance. Actual output is a great predictor of, of performance. So have them do something they're going to be doing on the job. And it's just going to speak volumes about the person and, and what they can do. So have that be your, your first filter and, and major filter. And besides that, you can still mess up in other steps. But if you get this one right, your odds just skyrocket immediately. Yeah, it's funny because years ago, I mean, this is over a decade ago, I heard a, a speaker came in to one of the events I was part of, or one of the organizations I was a part of. And I remember him saying this, and it, it really rang true with me. And it's what's going through the back of my mind through this whole interview, which is best actor gets the job, right? It's not the best candidate. Yeah. It's the best actor. And the way that candidates act first, their first line of acting is with their resume, which we all know that there's a lot of BS stuffed inside of a resume because it's one dimensional and it's easy to, you know, it's easy to say something that you haven't necessarily done or, or put yourself on a, up on a pedestal. And so it's easy to try to fool people on a resume, right? The interview is the, the next part, right? Because they all prep for the interview, right? They all know the standard questions. And so you got to be good. And this guy was like a recruiting specialist and he had a, he had a different way of interviewing people, right? He had a, he that was his kind of his whole his whole shtick, right? And what he was specialized in. But but my point is, is that whole thing of best actor gets the job. That's where this filtering process is going to really shine. That assignment, that test assignment that you just talked about, is probably the easiest way to filter out the BS. Absolutely, one one hundred percent. And uh, like even companies like Google have studied what really makes for a great hire, and it's not a huge surprise to me that people who can actually do the job and can do it really well, they're going to make the best hires. And uh, this is especially true for somewhat technical positions. So developers, this is perfect for video editors. Also, once again, uh, SEO specialists, it's harder for people who are like managers or, or anything like that, but you still want to give them this assignment. It's not going to be as great of a predictor, but still, I've been surprised by people's outputs and in a negative sense uh, so many times uh, when, when they seemed awesome with, with everything else. I just can't step, skip this step anymore. Yeah. So is that a paid assignment? Do you pay them for their time if they've got to spend hours yeah. or you know a couple of days or whatever on it? Or is that just something you assume that they're going to do as a part of the qualification process? Occasionally we might, uh, but usually we don't. And uh, it, it kind of depends on the role. And if it's one of these roles where there are a lot of applicants, we, we definitely don't. Right now I'm, I'm hiring a country CEO and even then... We actually have this uh, step a little further in the process and we only give it to a couple of people and they're so excited about the job and so sold on it that, that they don't even ask for, for payment and they don't even consider it. And the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is that we usually limit this assignment to about two to four hours to kind of be respectful of the candidate's time and not ask too much of them. 
I know some business owners that like to give bigger assignments, and I think that makes sense too, but then it would be appropriate to pay, I'd say. Okay. So in this filtering process, besides the test assignment, how else can we filter out the A players from the C players? Right. So if they've made it this far, I I would say they're at least a B player. Uh, You can just fake a good output, but it is this interview process that you actually alluded to previously that's that's really strict. And again, it's kind of unfakeable is is how I like to call it. And uh, what you do besides a screening interview is a long three hour interview where we, where you ask them about every single job they've ever had. And for the first half hour, you're going to see their representative and they're going to tell you, oh, everything was great. And like I did this accomplishment and another one. And uh, after a while you kind of, or the candidate gets tired of putting on a fake persona and they just can't pretend for three hours. And the real truth comes out. And I've heard some interesting things uh, in those interviews, just because people feel like, okay, I'm just going to tell it like it is because I can't possibly fake it. And then the truth comes out. And it can, of course, come out in a positive way as well, like uh, where you really understand, okay, this person really delivers. They're really great. And how I sell this uh, interview to to candidates because they say, oh, geez, three hours, like, what for? I tell them that you're going to change a job. We're going to invest hundreds of hours into you. Why don't we spend a little bit of time to to get to know each other beforehand? It's it's only smart, and uh, that's what I said to business owners as well, who were, were kind of weirded out by this. But it's so worth it. Even when I started dating my wife, we both uh, did this kind of interview for each other. So I once again, I would never ever skip in. Yeah, it's funny that you make that analogy because you know everybody, you know, they want to skip the hard part, right? And you know they want everything to be like Tinder, right? Speed dating, right? When you're hiring an A player. To identify that A player to make sure that they're the right fit for your company, you got to go deep. You got to go deeper. You can't just you can't just do a surface level fifteen minute interview. That's just not going to work, right? It's just not going to work. Anybody can fool you for fifteen minutes, right? Anybody can BS you for fifteen minutes, right? Goes back to that whole thing I said before: best actor gets the job. Anybody can act for fifteen minutes, but it's very hard to keep that up for. 45 minutes or an hour or two hours, and and most definitely for three hours. That's amazing. I've never heard of a three-hour interview, but that just speaks to to the value that you're providing for clients. Because in most cases, a client is never going to, one of your clients is never going to sit on an interview for three hours, but they know that you are going to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like we we record all those interviews and they can watch it back. And I honestly, I would watch an interview for a person I'm hiring completely, but I, some of the business owners don't want to. And I tell them, okay, here are the key parts. This is what you want to pay attention to. And many times it's this uncertainty where you're like, hey, does this mean something or am I reading uh, into things too much? And then the business owner who knows their business can go in and watch these 15 minutes of the interview and kind of understand, okay, this this actually is something. So we should pay attention to it. Yeah. Okay, great. So anything else you want to add to that? Because we talked about identifying the right person, kind of creating that matrix. Then we talked about writing a compelling job ad that speaks to A players. Then we talked about driving traffic with job boards and LinkedIn. Then we talked about kind of the test assignment and the interview process. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Just from the mindset perspective. So I think a huge shift happened to me when, when I was hiring for my company was when I realized Hey, I'm not going to be limited by the candidates I'm getting anymore. Instead of like taking someone because they're the best best person in the pool, I'm going to do things to find the best person out there. Period. So I'm not going to say, okay, well, I tried, and I'm I'm just going to you know do something. 
I'm really only going to accept people that's, that are great fits for this role. And if need be, I'll wait. If need be, I'll, I'll reach out to people. And this sort of attitude of not settling for a lesson than what you need to for your business to grow is it takes longer in the short term, but then if in a kind of in the timeline of years, it's, it's going to make such a big difference and you can't cheat this process. I've never seen anyone being successful at this. Yeah. And the cost of making a bad hire is huge, right? Because not only is it the money you paid them, it's the time you lost, the opportunity cost associated with that, and then the replacement process, right? So, I mean, it can, you know, it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars or more to oh, make, a, to make yeah. a bad mistake, right? To, to hire yeah. the wrong person, right? Or even hundreds of thousands, depending upon the role itself, maybe if it's a programmer or if it's an executive level or even the wrong salesperson. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, for sure. All right, cool. Well, listen, I think that was a great framework. Let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions and we'll wrap it up for today. What's your favorite SaaS tool, app, you know, software program, something that you use to help grow your business? Oh, that's funny. Uh, Cause there's so many applicant tracking softwares out there, mm-hmm. but I use one called HelpsCub for interacting with, with my candidates. And it's actually a customer support tool, but it's so intuitive, so easy to use. You have all the workflows, all the stats you could ever need. Uh, and it's awesome for customer support, but I also use it for uh, interacting with my candidates. So helps go huge uh, thumbs up for me. Love it. And what would be one book, maybe something you've read on your journey that's helped you or you think might help the audience on theirs? Oh, geez. Where do I start? Um, yeah, I know. If, there's. Uh, if I limited it to one, if you had to pick one. Okay. So if, if we're talking about scaling and, and growth, uh, it has to be scaling up. It's like an MBA in a book format and Vern especially Harnish, for, for small... It- yeah, Vern Harnish, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, good. That's yeah. An amazing book. Yeah. Great book. Excellent. Well, listen, I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes. You know, why don't you let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about Recruiter Mill, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Awesome. So the best thing to do is to head to recruitermill.com and there you can book a call with me or, or reach out to me and I'll be happy to kind of consult you one-on-one. And if that ends up in us working together, great. If not, I'm still happy to help. So definitely feel free to reach out. RecruiterMill.com is how you do it. Love it. Well, listen, again, I'll make sure I put those links in the show notes. Congrats on all your success on your last exit. I'm sure you're going to ramp this business up and grow very rapidly. It sounds like the value is there. I, you know, I, I know that in times that I've been hiring, it's a very painful process internally. And I would love, you know, I would love to outsource. I would have loved to have outsourced it to you, <laughs> especially based on the framework that. you gave me. So Appreciate you being here. Have an awesome day. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.